Welcome, everyone, to the latest edition of the NatWest Markets U.S. Election Podcast Series. I'm John Briggs, Head of Strategy for the Americas. And I'm Brian Dangerfield, Head of G10FX Strategy for the U.S. So election season's well underway. We have about 50 days left before Election Day. Our overall view, to set the table, is that we see Biden winning with a 65% probability and a 40% chance of a Democratic sweep of government, given, amongst other things, current polling, in fact, Trump's no longer an outsider, and that he faces a more favorable opponent in general in Biden than Clinton. But from here on out, we plan on being very targeted on the subject matter in our podcast, as opposed to just updating everybody on polls that you can see and and trends that uh, are already out there. So this week, we decided to talk about the possibility of a delayed election result or a contested election, which has become the number one topic that we've been asked about since Labor Day. So first, Brian, share with us what the difference is between a delayed result and a contested result. Sure. So for this purpose, I think it's important to separate out these two because they really mean different things, right? A delayed result is one in which the ultimate result is known, but it's simply not known on election day. So for example, in past elections, we've generally known as the polls were closing, either on the uh, East Coast or further out, so the evening of the election, we've known the result. Um, A delayed result would simply be that because of difficulty in counting either additional mail-in ballots or whether or not there's difficulty at the polling stations because there's not enough polling workers in order to count votes in person, that means that the timing of polls closing shifts later to account for uh, extra crowds. That kind of thing is what we consider a delayed result. A contested result is something quite different, which is that one candidate, the losing candidate, basically says that, you know, contests the results as, you know, this is not a, a valid result. Uh, we know President Trump has suggested that mail-in balloting is something that uh, uh, he, he thinks could be subject to fraud. Um, and so there's certainly the possibility that if he were to lose, he were to contest on that front. Um, so we think about those two separately. And uh, as a result, you know, they, can, they tend to be grouped together, uh, but I think it's important to think about them separately. Okay, so what's the delayed results scenario? So sure, I mentioned a little bit of the processes that might lead to a delayed result. The most obvious one and sort of the most high profile one is when you just have a a technology failure. You think about um, either Florida in 2000 or you go back to Iowa, the Iowa primary earlier this year, where you just had either a result that was so close or results that were either tainted by failure in technology that lead to some question over the result. Um, This is something that probably happens on a specific state level rather than a national level. On a more national level, um, the US Postal Service has already told 46 states in late July that it might not be able to guarantee that all mail-in ballots are delivered to um, the appropriate uh, election uh, committees by the state's mandated deadline. So those votes that normally would have counted if they're postmarked and delivered in time may be delayed not because voters made a mistake, but because they simply missed the deadline. So there's a possibility, and this is something that's ongoing in courts, that some states are going to try and you know, relax the ability to count ballots that are received later. So mail-in balloting, the fact that you have um, you know, coronavirus providing an additional incentive. Some states have uh, widened the eligibility for mail-in voting. 
And then you simply have the possibility that if there's, uh, you know, if there are too many crowds at polling stations, um, we've seen this before, um, that the timing of polls closing is delayed later. And so on a very micro level, you know, if we expected polls to close at 7 p.m. in a state, but there's, you know, too many people trying to vote, maybe that gets delayed if that happens in a critical swing state. Obviously, that's not something that, you know, is going to be a two to three week thing, but it's something we're absolutely considering. So a number of possibilities that you could see um, the results delayed for any particular reason. A lot of them relate to the difficulties in counting votes and the likely increase in the number of mail-in ballots in this cycle. Yeah, so when I think about a delayed result, you know, the, the polling station issues, the lines, you know, we tend to have those every, every election cycle, right? And so that just means instead of knowing at one in the morning, a certain state on the East Coast, you might know at three or four in the morning. Um, or perhaps even later. When, but when I think about delayed result, it's like, well, what's going to cause this thing to drag out for days or, you know, a week or as some have posited a month? Um, I mean, I'll, I'll admit I'm kind of on the other side of this argument where uh, I think that in general, I, I feel like the election is not going to drag on for a long time based on the mail-in ballot issue. And I think that it's important to consider that there's, you know, we all know that there are certain swing states. We're focused you and I on seven key ones, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Ohio, North Carolina, Georgia, Florida, Arizona, right? Um, but the thing is with four of those seven, the states are actually allow counting to start early. In other words, Florida starts counting mail-in ballots 22 days ahead of the election, Arizona, North Carolina, two weeks before. Now, of course, if there's, if everybody waits to mail their ballots to the last minute, that's relevant, but you know, it, it does give these states a chance to catch up. And, you know, depending on the timing of when those ballots come in, because of these, these rules now, you might actually have more knowledge about the mail-in results in some of these key states than less. Put it this way, we all know how important Florida is. Right now, if Biden was to take Florida, um, I don't think we're going to end up caring about a million mail-in ballots in Michigan or California or elsewhere. Because, you know, I think where this really comes down to to being a tricky situation is if the election ends up, you know, whether it's because of events from here until election day or just, you know, another season of uh, bad polling or however you want to say that it's a very close election, then you could actually get into a scenario where a lot of these, you know, some of these swing states are actually starting to go, you know, for Biden or, or for Trump or a combination of both where, you know, it comes down to the point that one state matters. And I think that that's kind of the key for me is that everybody cites Florida in 2000. But what happened was you had, a, you had an election that was determined by one state. Right now, Trump would have to significantly outperform across many states given current polling. Now, that's certainly possible. And again, we have a lot of time to, for Trump to close the gap. But you need to have the vote in that state be closed. And the closeness concentrated into one or a couple handful of counties, you know, that a delay comes into play. Um, when you look at Florida in 2000, the vote that led to the recount and the delays was so close, it came down to 537 votes. So then you had the court challenges and hanging chads and all that other stuff about what's valid. That all fed off the fact that it was so close. That was a margin of error of 0.009%. So for me, I just think the probability of having the election getting that close to have a delay that lasts that long is, is low. Now, it's certainly a risk scenario and it's fun to talk about, um, you know, but I just, I feel like, I feel like it's getting a little overhyped and tends to after, after every, uh, as we head into any election since 2000. So John, I'll jump in there and say, I think it's really important that we think about 
the national trends and what the polling is telling us as we think about why we sort of lean against this idea that you're probably going to have a delayed result. Um, and I agree with you, you're, you know, I think those expectations are a bit overblown. And part of the reason is because the way polling is looking right now is that there's a national overarching trend where Democrats are doing better. And the way I like to put this is that if Biden wins the election, it looks more likely that he would win the election fairly cleanly and that there would be a national trend of democratic outperformance. And you know, that's something that's reflected in the polls at the moment. Of course, these polls can change. But when you think back to recent important elections, and I like to think about two, the 2016 presidential election, of course, but then I also like to think about Brexit as well. In both of those elections, it was very clear well ahead of time, when you think about market reaction, when did the market price for the, intent, the, the eventual result? The market started to price well before the results were known. In 2016, it came down to Virginia. So when Virginia closed, the polls closed in Virginia, and it was too close to call on election day. That was a state that um, Hillary Clinton was expected to carry in such a significant way that it would not have been too close to call um, when polls closed, I believe, 7 p.m. on the East Coast that night. When that state closed, it was very clear in that exact moment that Trump had had a very good night, a much better night than expected, and the market started to move in that direction. You think about Brexit in 2016 as well. Um, you think about Sunderland was really when the market started to move. For those who were watching on the night of, when Sunderland, the district, went so heavily towards leave, even though it was expected to be leave, if you go back to the U.S., this would be kind of like if you see the results in West Virginia, a deeply Republican state, and they go way further towards Republicans, that was an indication that Leave had had a very good night and ended up carrying. And the market reacted very significantly ahead of time because the markets can extrapolate early results from later, you know, without waiting for the actual results that, to, to come in. And so, John, to echo your point, are we really going to care about, you know, a hundred, you know, uh, a million absentee votes coming in the state of Nevada, which is like a swing state out on the West Coast, if it's very clear that Biden had a good night um, throughout polling in the East Coast, if it's clear that Biden dominated um, in Pennsylvania and he was competitive in Georgia, we can probably extrapolate that he had a good night. The other side of that is that if Trump were to win based on current polling, he probably wins a little bit dirtier, kind of like how he won in, uh, in 2016, where he closed the gap very late. Um, he won a number of swing states by really only a very small margin. Um, that seems more likely to be a result that's up for contestation, simply because the number of mail-in ballots that may be rejected could end up a lot closer. So if you just think about the way that Biden or Trump is likely to win, and how the markets will reflect that, how quickly the markets would be willing to price that in, just seems so unlikely that the market reaction would be fully delayed in the Biden win scenario, especially the one that we expect. So I think our base case is really reflective of not expecting a delayed result, in part because of how we think the market will react, and in part because of how we think it's very unlikely that it's gonna come down to just one state. 
Yeah, and I think that's the key. The tighter this race gets, the more likely we are to get a blade result. But as it stands now, we just don't particularly see it. Okay, so let's go to the other one, contested election. Um, what's the main way we get, what's the main path to get a contested election? So from our conversations, I think it's very clear that the market's view on contested election is that a contested result would occur if Trump loses based on the plethora of mail-in ballots. It's very clear the president has suggested that mail-in ballots is something that's open for fraud um, and that it's, you know, it's potentially opening the door for um, a contested result. I think you could also convince yourself that the other way is possible as well. I mentioned that because mail-in ballots could be rejected for not arriving in time, um, we know that from polling, a couple of polls recently suggest that the mail-in ballot spread might favor Democrats, perhaps by as much as 60 to 40. So if there is such a, you know, if it's very clear that mail-in ballots are going decidedly towards Biden, if there were enough mail-in ballots rejected in certain swing states in order to tip the balance, you know, maybe you have the opportunity for a, a contested election on the other side as well. But clearly the one that the market's most focused on is the idea that Trump will contest the election. One of the things to consider on mail-in ballots, one of the big sources of, of, of this view is that, and I mentioned it casually a second ago, is that Biden and Democrats are going to dominate in mail-in ballots. And polling does suggest that. Again, as I mentioned, 60% roughly seem to be, uh, of Democrats seem to be going for Biden, uh, uh, who plan on mail-in ballots. 60% tend to be going towards Biden. But think for a second about where those Democrats live, because as we know, where you live, what state you're in is absolutely critical. And what I think is likely and perhaps not being, um, you know, uh, is perhaps a little bit overlooked is that the increase in the number of voters who are going to be participating in mail-in balance may be skewed towards Democratic states. And what I mean by this is every state is different on allowing absentee balloting, allowing mail-in balance. But one of the big changes in this cycle versus previous is that five states are now going to allow, um, the state is going to send voters a ballot without requesting information first. They're simply gonna send you a ballot and ask you to send it back in full mail-in voting. You don't have to request a ballot. You don't have to give an excuse to get a ballot. Two of these states, California and New Jersey are huge population centers, which are both decidedly Democrat. The other additional states, uh, District of Columbia, which is counted separately for the elections, Vermont and Nevada, are all states which were carried by Clinton in 2016 in an election she lost. These new states that are sending these uh, mail-in ballots without, request, without needing any request are in addition to five states that had already done this. Four of those states were very clear um, Clinton strongholds in 2016, Washington, Oregon, Hawaii, and Colorado. And so in the 10 states where you can do this, where you can get a mail-in ballot without having to request anything, where you're simply going to get one in the mail by virtue of living in the state, those states are so heavily dominated towards Democrats that it's possible that the reason the polling is telling us that more Democrats are going to vote for Biden by mail than Republicans is because it's easier to vote by mail in Democratic-dominated centers. So the fact that several million more Californians are likely to vote by, by mail 
because now they can do it without requesting an absentee ballot. That might not mean anything for the actual election result because so many of those individuals, you know, because California would have gone for uh, Democrats regardless of where those individuals voted. And so I think it's absolutely critical we think about um, how these polls are telling us that Democrats are more likely to vote by mail. Is that because it's easier to vote by mail in some of these states that are Democratic strongholds? Or is that an indication that in key swing states, Democrats are going to be more likely to vote by mail? Right now, it's not obvious. And so it's important to make that clarification as we think about whether or not you know, there would be a result, uh, a contested result in which the contestee actually has a claim uh, to contest the result. That's a pretty fascinating point, actually, because, you know, you might have a situation where, you know, we all think that, like you said, more Democrats are likely to vote by mail, but that's only because Democratic states are allowing it more, where you could have Trump, who's who's claimed fraud on or potential fraud on Democrat on a mail-in ballots whole time along, wanting to actually hold the election result or won't concede as he waits for potential Republican mail-in ballots in, in these swing states where the where it actually may be and has historically been more even between who actually mails in ballots more between Republicans and Democrats. So could, could, you know, 2020 is a year of don't be surprised by anything. So, you know, you wouldn't be surprised to see Trump waiting for the mail-in ballots to be counted or protesting in early, uh, early calls to States where they haven't been despite his previous comments. But so um, unfortunately that's all the time we have for today. You know, next time we're going to pick it up and we'll take another topical issue. Thank you for listening. Thanks very much for listening.